The Den. Conversations with Andrew Wolf. This week, I'm in conversation with Ashley Donald, joint founder and marketing consultant at Halo Business Consulting. Halo are specialists in the hospitality sector, and Ashley's been a client, friend, and collaborator of Wolf for some time. Ashley, welcome to the Den. Thank you. It's great to be here, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Um, Ashley, you worked in hotels for some years before launching your own consulting business. I'm interested to explore how that change from being client to servicing clients has been for you. Do you know, it's been a really smooth and enjoyable transition. Um, I think because, you know, we've been in a very similar situation to many of our clients, there's a real level of, of empathy for what challenges um, they may be facing and, and how we can support them. So I think, you know, when we created the concept of Halo, our consultancy, it was all very much centred on um, using our expertise from working in the hospitality industry to offer flexible support to businesses. And, and you know, and, and that's what we're doing and, and working with clients um, on a day-to-day basis to, um, you know, add in our, our expertise but in a really flexible way which I think is um, certainly in the last year has, has really helped to, to sort of accelerate that recovery for many brands that we work with. And you launched your business just before Covid happened I think so you know you yes. were, were working from home you, you, you probably you probably moved into consulting to work from home but then you were forced to work from home so. That's that's exactly right I am um, so I'm based in the northeast of England, in just outside of Newcastle. Um, we have fantastic train links down to London and up to Edinburgh. Um, you know, so I'd be regularly on the road. Sometimes, you know, a couple of days a week in London, um, and 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 actually working in clients' offices often as well. Um, and then absolutely, when when you know lockdown hit in March you know, everyone was forced to work into their homes. But I think it's really shown just how resourceful and how you know. You, you can service clients um, fr- from afar um, and you know we've all embraced various digital technologies in order for us to do that um, you know we're all very much looking forward to being back together face to face but I'm so proud of what we've achieved over the last year with being so you know remotely involved I suppose. Yeah it's been, a, been a, an interesting year in many ways and I was looking at the calendar and almost exactly a year ago as the first lockdown due to COVID happened, Wolf and Halo uh, got together and created the Sweet Series um, in delivering that series of conversations uh, for the hospitality sector. I think we saw some really interesting creativity and insights from hotel operators. Do you think the well-documented challenges facing the hospitality sector has necessitated more innovative thinking? Yes, I mean, absolutely. And I think it's so interesting that, you know, there's always been a, a viable alternative in, in, in many ways and you know just to quickly recap on on the sweet series as you say Andrew um you know this was a collection of, of virtual thought leadership events that that Halo and Wolf held um across the real height of lockdown from um April through to June um, and we, we brought together various leaders of hospitality and travel to, to really talk about their experiences and how they were reacting to this change and, and how they saw a path through uh, COVID-19 and 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 actually um, as a result of those conversations we, we then went on to create a, a white paper and, and actually I was just reading it um, in preparation for our conversation today and it's so interesting to actually see a lot of the topics still resonating today um, which was you know very much a year ago. Um, so yeah, I, I think, think, I, think w- I think what that evidenced for me was that I mean we, we, we hosted the Sweet Series literally in the first month of lockdown virtually so 
and, and, and how, how instantly people were prepared to change and make changes to their businesses to keep going. It was fascinating, wasn't it? Absolutely. And I think one of, um, one of the key topics I, re I remember um, being discussed on there was, you know, some of the general managers and, um, you know, various roles within the hospitality industry really took that moment in, in lockdown to really take that opportunity to review their um, operating procedures and really learn as much as they can. And I think because hospitality is such a fast paced industry, it's 24 seven, you know, three, six, five uh, days a year. So there often isn't that almost period of, of being able to reflect and, and, and analyze what you're doing because, you know, it's just so continuous. So I think that was really interesting just to see how people were, were really adapting and using that time to look at how their overall operation um, could be could be kind of um, tweaked and improved and adapted. Um, there was a lot of businesses that closed during that period, forced closure. Um, but interestingly, um, there was also businesses that remained open. So a really fantastic example. And in fact, one of our guests that we had on the Sweet Series, Joanna Fisher, who is the group commercial director for Q Green Hotels, mm. who um, have about 40 hotels in the UK. Um, and, and they remained open, about half of their hotels remained open for uh, critical workers. So within days, they had adapted their whole operation to have screens, contactless customer environment, um, the staff training that was involved in order to deliver that service in a, in a safe environment. You know, it's just incredible. I think that that sort of resilience that, yeah. that that the industry is just able to, to pivot so quickly. Um, so I think, you know, that there was some wonderful examples of, of yes, that, that real resilience. Um, and, and something else, again, just sort of reflecting, if I may, just back at the beginning of lockdown, was just how quickly hotels realised um, that, you know, the, the importance of continually communicating with their customers. So, you know, they were, their doors were closed, but, you know, perhaps their chefs had, had come up with a um, bake-at-home concept or, um, you know, the, the spa had put together a wellness-at-home package that, that could be sent out to guests. Um, so you could still experience, um, you know, your the hotel brands that you felt connected with at home. So I think, you know, that there was a real sense of, of just, we're all in it together, let's let's help each other through this. And, and you know, really, yeah, that, that real sort of symbiotic support between customers yeah, and, 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 and I suppose not only communicating with customers but keeping staff communications going as well because I guess a lot of staff were unsure about what was happening and, and how their lives yeah. were going to be changed. Yes absolutely Andrew I think um, you know and, and that another layer of, of challenges I think with that is that there would be some members of, of staff that would be working and their whole operations will have changed that there was that whole training and development of how to service guests in this contactless environment. Um, but then you also had a, a large proportion of, of employees who were off on furlough. So, you know, how do you continue continually engage with those employees beyond the Zoom quiz, which I think we all kind of rushed to do. And then, you know, that, that kind of moved on. Um, and it's been really interesting to see a number of hotel brands really focusing on the mental well-being and, and actually putting together some really robust initiatives to just ensure that all members of their team are are, are taken care of um, and and you know they have a voice and they're being listened to in terms of, of how they you know manage the situation um, and you know we're, we're still in the period of flexible furlough at the moment so um, you know some hospitality employees are working on a part-time basis and I think you know, speaking to, to friends and colleagues in the industry, 
this whole concept of flexible working actually is almost quite new to hospitality. We, we, are, we have our set shift patterns. We, you know, we clock in and clock out of our shifts and, um, and, and often that there was not necessarily room for, for as much flexible working, but I think we've been forced to, to, to deliver that, um, you know, service and, and to deliver hospitality from afar, that actually I think that coming out of this, there'll be much more opportunity to embed flexible working throughout various different roles within the industry. And I, I really believe that that will help to retain future talent um, that perhaps, you know, have left the industry because of, of potentially in the past it not being as flexible. So I, I really think that's something that I hope will continue and, yeah, and I think will yeah, be a real benefit to the industry and, as I, well. and I suppose one of the other big, big trends that we've seen, so working from home is one of them, but um, the other big trend that we talked about over a year ago and we continue to talk about is digital acceleration. So the fact that, um, you know, if you can't have face-to-face -face contact, at least you can have digital contact on Zoom meetings. Um, sure. But 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 I'm I'm really interested in the the trends I'm seeing in in hospitality are all tech driven, and and I think there's a real tension there between technology on the one hand and the human interaction of hospitality on the other, because a luxury a luxury experience in hotels is not driven by technology, it's driven yeah. by by human interaction and human service culture. Yeah. No. I. I completely agree i think there's been a almost as you say a, re a real resistance to embrace certain technologies particularly at that luxury end because as you say it's all around that human connection um but given given the past year i think that there has been a, a real need to embrace um, certain technologies and some of them from an operational perspective so you know nearly all businesses now have embraced the QR code um, you know to, to do contactless ordering to, to check in for your um, you know your COVID um, kind of check-ins but I think you know looking at the the development of technologies um, and, and using that data to understand your guests can be really powerful. Um, I know that there's a lot of talk about you know data being more valuable than oil now, and I do think that that is going in, in that direction. So I think that hotels who have really looked at, at their guests and, and looked at their guest profiles and, and just really made such an effort to understand the, the guests and, and offer those increasingly personalized experiences are the, the, the venues that will, will do well as, as we come to recover. Um, the, you know, the, I think um, you know, in the past, probably in the, the 90s, the online travel agents, the you know, booking.coms of the world, you know, they've been so savvy in their um, approach to, to digital offerings for, for hotels. And, and, and hotels have often struggled to keep up on their branded websites and the way that they capture data mm. for their own email marketing data. Basis, but I think that that trend has massively accelerated. Um, a trend that was already happening, but I think has been a real catalyst in the, this last year. Um, and I think hotels are really seeing the benefit of offering personalised guest experiences. Um, you know, directly through through email into people's inboxes. They're not um, at the pest of changing algorithms um, and, and building their empire on rented real estate, as it were. Yeah. Um, that they're, they're really having that that more direct communication through a digital platform with with guests. Um, so I think that that side of the sort of guest experience will, will change. Um, there's also been a huge change with with you know move towards virtual and hybrid events. Um, and in fact, I was lucky enough to be involved with um, 
Kew Green Hotels, which were one of the first hotel management companies to offer um, a, a virtual event for, for their annual um, conference and awards back in January this year. Um, you know, and it was just amazing to see the the level of engagement um, through this virtual platform. Um, I think, you know, again, we're, we're human beings, we crave that human contact. I think that there will certainly be a place for, um, for inhuman events as we as we come out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, again, that quick sort of quick pivoting to offer um, events in a virtual space was, was just an incredible show of creativity from the events and hospitality sector. Um, and and, and t- 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 tell me, what, what, what does a hybrid event look like then, Ashley? How does a hybrid event work? Um, so it, it, I suppose it, it offers a, the best of both worlds. So they'll have an, an element of virtual and an element of in-person. So it might be that um, that you know, it might be a global event and there may be hubs um, throughout throughout the world. And you can imagine as we come out of this and there's various travel bubbles for various countries that there might be events that take place in a hub, but there's a centralised um, broadcast of, of, of an event. So, you know, a global brand may have their CEO um, that, that's on a you know, platform that, that can then communicate with all of the employees globally, but they have breakout sessions in person in, in hubs. Um, would would be one example and you know the technology that that's out there is incredible to to connect people so I think you know that the event industry I think the initial reaction was really very worrying in that you know would is the concept of in-person events just gone now Mm -hmm. is is that gone but I think that there is a place and I think this hybrid model will will certainly um, you know continue over the next probably three to, to five years or so, um, if not beyond. And there's been a real level of investment with a number of hotels. I think the Royal Lancaster in, in London, which has had a huge refurb, um, you know, they've created sort of green room spaces so that you can um, you know record and have backdrops placed um, sort of post events. So you know hotels are are gearing up to, to customers you know, wanting this yeah. as part of their offering for events. And I suppose, um, I suppose weddings as well are part of this because uh, they, they have limited numbers. So if people can dial in and participate in a wedding remotely, then then uh, if you can't travel, if an aunt can't travel from South Africa to Scotland for a wedding, then yeah, she can dial can in and, still, and see it. can still be part of yeah. the event, absolutely. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that um how that sort of um, manifests um, and you know again going back to, to you know the creativity of the industry um, there's been some amazing examples of you know really signature events like Hogmanay like St Patrick's Day where they've used drones to yeah. create mm. the most incredible displays you know in the Edinburgh sky and in Dublin um, and and again you know the, these are, are technologies that have existed but I think that there's always been again a viable alternative so um, I think that there'll be a real integration of of these um, you know technologies as we come out of this and you know and I just think yes there's been we've been forced to be really creative and I think we can take the best bits of everything that we've learned over this past year and and refine it as we as we come out of, of the pandemic. Fascinating um, and I suppose a really interesting thing crossing my mind at the moment is that if you take hospitality away from us, how much we crave it. I mean, it really it really makes you think about hospitality's place in our worlds. Uh, at the moment, we can stay in Britain uh, just about, yeah. uh, and we can travel around Britain and stay. We can have staycations, 
but actually we can't fly off around the world or we can't jet off to sunny holidays. So actually that limiting um, challenge that we're faced with at the moment um, really makes us crave and, and, and realise what a big place hospitality has in our, in our, in our being, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely, Andrew. Um, it's I think um, it's just under ten percent of all jobs in the UK are in the hospitality industry. Um, so you know, it's a, it's a big employer. It's a huge part of, of as you say, of, of our whole lifestyle. Um, and I think when it's been taken away from us, we've all realised just how big a part it, it plays. Um, you know, and also with connecting with friends and family as well as as a place that that, that can be done. Um, you know, I think that the sort of summer again of staycation as it was last year is very much here to stay i think there'll be limited travel abroad um and and you know that that's great news in in many ways for for the domestic market who've you know massively struggled and i think that it's allowing people to be a tourist in their own country again so i think there's a lot to be said um for how you know hotels and campsites and you know B&Bs have, have really adapted to, to that rise in, in the staycation market um, and how hotels have chosen to maybe work with more local influencers, for example, to showcase their local area um, and, and also support the local suppliers in that area. So there's a real knock-on effect um, when, when people are staying more local that, that everyone benefits from that as part of the wider recovery. Um, also, I think that the pandemic has been a real, um, it, it's, it's really shifted um, sort of CSR practices and mm. environmental considerations into people's minds. So people are maybe considering, you know, do I need to fly um, and, and, you know, put all of this carbon into the, the environment? Is, you know, should, should I stay more locally? Should I take train travel instead of plane travel? That, those sorts of questions. So it will be interesting to see how people's um, holiday patterns emerge from this. Um, and there's a lot of talk around that whole sustainability that um, you should travel slower. Um, so, you know, you instead of having maybe five mini breaks um, abroad, that you maybe just take that one extended holiday, you perhaps travel by train, um, and you really spend time in those communities to really get to know the locals and really contribute um, and, and, and make sure that your money is going directly into the hands of, of those local people to support that destination, um, rather than perhaps kind of spending it through the sort of bigger I love, um, I love brands. That. So, I love the concept of slow travel. Isn't that lovely? Uh, a lovely it? thought. I know, back um, to the romantic days of train travel. Well, interestingly, I, I had a conversation with my mother at the weekend who used to travel from Southampton to Cape Town in whaling ships from Norway. Wow. So the whaling ships would go into Southampton to, to fuel up and then they'd travel by, you know, on those whalers all the way down to Cape Town, which must have been a lovely slow journey. And, Incredible. you know, uh, there was no other option in those days. So that's the way yeah, it was. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, it is, it's incredible. Um, when I was traveling in Australia a number of years ago, um, meeting expats that had been there, you know, they were in their 80s, and talking about um, when they would go over on the boats and it would take months to get there. And you just think, gosh, you know, they, they didn't necessarily know what they were arriving into either. Yeah. And, and just and, and they've settled and married. And you just think, wow, what, what a real sense of adventure. Yeah. Um, just yeah completely different great well and and what what future trends um do you think are here to stay i mean it, it quite a lot of this feels like uh people talk about we're going to get back to normal 
Mm. Um, I, I like to say, you know, we're going to get back to the new different. It's not going to be the new normal. It's going yeah, to be different. I, I think that's exactly right. And as you say, the, the new different, I think that's a, a, a great um, turn of phrase. Um, and you have, you know, the new normal, the next normal, um, whatever it may be. Um, I think the the sort of customer demand for more transparency on um, corporate social responsibility is massively here to stay. I think, um, you know, there's a real um, kind of m movement towards um, customers looking at, you know, what impact their activities and, and the brands that they choose to consume and um, have on the environment. Um, big move to, you know, people adopting a more vegan or vegetarian diet, which hotels will have to look to accommodate. Um, hotels offering um, or running on green energy. So for example, mm -hmm. um, Bloomsbury, one of the, the Doyle Collection hotels in London, um, runs off of green energy. So I think there's gonna be a lot of um, more initiatives and, and more expectation that, that this will continue, which I think is, is a, great, a great thing. Um, Another trend, and I've seen the most wonderful example, and, and I know that you have it too, is the embracing of this whole alfresco lifestyle, which, you know, we, we have, you know, sometimes um, slightly uh, changeable weather in this in mm -hmm. this country. But, you know, seeing examples and the, the one I'm thinking particularly of is the Savoy um, yes. and they've just launched Solace, which is um, in the, the most beautiful um, entrance to the, the Savoy um, and it's a, a covered entrance and they've they've created you know this most atmospheric um, experience with them um, bar live music um, you know afternoon tea and I just think you know what an amazing level of creativity to, to come up with something like that and and you know brands have been really forced to look at how can we offer an alfresco experience that is befitting of our um, of our you know brand um, and I think because that investment has been made and because it's been so well received, I really think this this kind of full embracement of alfresco dining beyond the picnic bench type thing is, is going to, to remain. And, and I think that we'll certainly, um, you know, see lots of pop ups of really interesting kind of lifestyle brands because of that. Um, you know, something which I think, again, and, and we've touched on the whole kind of flexible working and, you know, working from from paradise and hotels offering that um, opportunity is that you know the, the generation Z are, are going to be massively coming into the workplace um, so you know the sort of millennial generation Z who are very much driven by experiences by giving back to communities they um, will will demand different ways of working so I think again you know that the sort of digital nomads who yeah being brought up with the internet and, and having um, this flexibility of being able to work from from wherever, I think you know companies are going to have to embrace that and um, and find ways of, of embedding that. Yeah, into I think I think that's a really interesting point that Gen Z. It's not about digital transformation anymore. It's actually about digital expectation. They yeah, they just expect a smooth digital experience. It's not it's not a new digital experience. It's just smooth. It's all it's all connected. It's all it all works. Um, it, it's it's um, there's wearable technology. It's, there's easy check-in. There's keyless entry to rooms. There's Siri concierge. All these things are trends, and they're just ex expected these days. Yeah, ex exactly. Um, and I think that um, that that um, yes you know the digital nomads that that's just part of their upbringing and, and that it's just so seamless um, and and you know I suppose for, for generations um, older than you know Gen Z millennials 
we've all had to adapt really quickly to that as well. And, and I think that, you know, you know, and I think, you know, to my parents who are, you know, in their seventies now, I've been amazed at how they've just adapted to working in a much more digital way in the past year alone. So again, from a, you know, how hotels and um, restaurants are able to, to market and service, um, all, all sort of generations, I think, again, that, that digital environment is here to stay, yeah. um, you know, as long as it's married up with that, that human experience that, that we mentioned. Um, another trend, um, and it's, it's a little bit um, controversial at this stage, is the talk about um, vaccine passes and vaccine mm, passports. Mm. So um, it, it has been... The idea has been floated here in the UK, um, but but it has been met with fierce op opposition. Um, but you know, for example, in Israel, they're rolling out a, a green badge scheme, so um, you're permitted into hotels and various cultural events when you show this this card. Um, and countries like Singapore have also indicated that they might follow suit. So I think, you know, we this year and in the sort of short to medium term i think the whole sort of staycation will will be huge but you know people will want to travel where you know we're all desperate to, to kind of well, see in, in, you know, interesting the parts of the world that we've missed and, and, yeah. and would like to explore but you know how how that will actually work with with vaccine passes and yeah i mean interestingly on on vaccine passes i see the outer hebrides the outer islands in scotland are actually asking you to have a test before you travel is that right? Um, so, yeah. so it's, 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 it's not it's not mandatory, but it's a it's a recommendation. So, um, yeah, I think that will definitely become the, the yeah the the next different. Um, and some countries have, have have you know a number of months ago um, have, have implemented such schemes. So I think that, that that will gather pace. And I just heard on the news actually this morning that um, the the Brit Awards will go ahead, um, and it will be one of the first indoor events no masks um as long as they have it have a negative test on, on arrival with a lateral flow test so yeah it's, it's it's really interesting just how you know i suppose proving that you've got some sort of um uh, you know vaccination or, or um immunity yes. will permit you access to certain experiences yeah, yeah, um, i think we'll just have to get used to that yeah i think so so ashley we're coming to the end of our time on here um a final thought please um, not necessarily in the hospitality industry, but what would you say to your 20-year-old self? <laughs> I know you're only 21, so it's only you oh, have to look back in you. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think for me, and I've, I've been really fortunate to have lived and worked all over the world. Um, and, you know, I've, my career has been predominantly in hospitality and I've, I've come out to work in other industries that have been sort of complementary. Um, but I, I would, you know, say to myself, you know, your career doesn't need to be linear, you know, mm. really embrace change, learn from other industries, seize opportunities, and always push beyond your comfort zone. Mm. Excellent. I love that, Ashley. Well done. <laughs> embrace change and push beyond your comfort zone. On that That's note, right. thank you so much for joining me in the den. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and let's keep the conversation going. Lovely. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thank you thank very you. much. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Den, a series of conversations about the business of creativity and creative thinking in business.